Just imagine the mightiest heroes of our time. All of them on one team. The Fire and Water Network proudly presents JLU Cast. Hello and welcome to JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin. And I'm Chris Franklin, and today we're joined by a very special guest to discuss a pivotal episode of Justice League Unlimited, one that kicks the Cadmus story arc into high gear. This episode, the subject of parallel dimensions will come up, but our special guest host hails from the best dimension of all, the 13th dimension. Please welcome the man behind that wonderful website, Mr. Dan Greenfield. Hi, Dan. <laughs> hey, guys. Nice to, uh, nice to talk to you. Thank uh, and- you for having me on. Well, it's, it's, a, it's great to have you, Dan. Of course, Dan is, is nice enough to let me write for, for him from time to time, and as well as our friend Rob Kelly. Uh, so some of you may have heard of that, uh, heard of 13th Dimension. I've, I'm sure you have, 13thDimension.com. So, so tell us a little bit about it, Dan. Oh, uh, if, uh, if you're not familiar with it, as I, as I like to say sometimes when I go on podcasts, if you like what we're talking about here, the chances are you'll like what we're doing over there. Um been doing it almost for 10 years now um but we don't really have any plans to celebrate until we get to the year 13 and then you know then i then i think we'll do something because that would only make sense um but yeah we uh we write uh pretty much every day about primarily bronze age and silver age comics and related culture uh but we it's it's more than that and you know that's why you know jlu is something that certainly fits in that category that kind of old school retro storytelling that also has a modern bent. So, you know, come check us out if you're not familiar with us and and I hope you, you like what you find. Yes, definitely. Any, anybody listening to the fire and water podcast network, if you aren't reading 13thdimension.com, then you're, you're missing out because it's, it's right in, in the same wheelhouse that fire and water likes to live. So yes, definitely, definitely check it out. And in addition to 13th dimension, you also podcast, with our friend John S. Drew about another version of the Justice League on the World's Greatest Super Friends podcast. What can you tell our listeners about that show? Yeah, we have, we, we do, uh, we, we kicked this off uh, a couple of years ago, and we are um, basically going through every single episode of Super Friends from the beginning in order. Um, the first uh, season was a bit of a slog, and it took us a long time <laughs> to kind of get through it. Um, but we're in the second season now, which is great. And we also intersperse our episodes with what we call the filmation files, because it makes for a really good compare contrast. We we also do the the filmation uh, cartoons of the '60s, um, and often we'll pair up an episode that we will talk about one week, and then the following week we will talk about a Super Friends episode that might feature that same character, like Flash or Green Lantern or what have you. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a really good time to do that, especially now that we're really cooking along with the second season because that's that's some great great stuff. Yes, yeah, so I was so happy for you and John when you finally got through <laughs> the end of season. Oh, one. I was. <laughs> it was it was tough, and and of course it was also during the middle of the pandemic. So it was it was it was, you'd think it would have been easier to keep a schedule, but it actually was more difficult. Um, but now we're we're uh, we're back on a regular routine. Which is yeah, good. yeah. That, that I mean, it, it was, it's 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 very apparent, and I, I I share the same opinion. I I I'm glad that season exists, but I can skip ahead <laughs> to, to to the all new yeah. Super Friends Hour. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, the reason we asked you on this episode is you picked a moment from this episode 
for the Kevin Conroy tribute episode we did a few months ago, and thank you for contributing to that. Um, and we'll get into that specific moment later, but uh, we all we already know you're a fan of the Super Friends and the Filmation DC uh, animated series, but what's your history with the Bruce Timm DC animated universe? Did you watch these shows when they first aired? Did you discover them later? Well, it depends on which series we're talking about. I watched the premiere of Batman the Animated Series, you know, when it was on back in 92, um, I, uh, you know, this was still for me the, actually, this was kind of coming at the end of my my first run as being a comic book fan. Um, I kind of went on a hiatus for about a decade or so. Um, but Batman in the Animated Series was there when I left. And then when I came back about a decade later, it was not only there, it was not only still there in different formats, but all, the, all this other, uh, uh, all these other great cartoons had popped up. And so something like Justice League was a case where the I didn't love the first two the first season with the two parters, but JLU, as I discovered, and we did watch that one live, you know, when it when it was in first run. And I fell in love with that show. And I and I to, to having considered all of it as much as a Batman fan as I am, I think that JLU is the best of the Timverse series. And I think that the this specific Justice League arc, the Cadmus arc, might be the best Justice League story ever in any medium. I, I remember watching it and being absolutely fixated by it. I thought it was great television. I thought it was great writing, um, great performances, as we as we alluded to before, or as you alluded to before. Mm-hmm. But it was a it's a show that also has meaning for me because my son and I. Um, he was at the age when he was just discovering uh, comic books and cartoons and what have you and collecting. And JLU was huge with us. So he would watch them. I would watch them. My wife would watch them. Um, she's uh, she's more comic book tolerant than she is a fan. <laughs> um, but she liked this. And we, um, you know, it, it just was, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. And my, it just, a couple of visits ago, my son pulled out his his JLU figures, you know, the, the original JLU figures, yeah. and it was so much fun to just go over each one of them. There's so many different characters. I know that you think that Super Superpowers is the best DC line ever, and I think Vigo is the best DC line ever, but you would have a hard time arguing against JLU because the sheer volume of characters, and they all look great because they're done in that Bruce Tim style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny when uh, your uh, our son kind of similar story that he he was pretty young when it was going, but we still watched it. How and, old is your right. son now, Dan? He's twenty four. Okay, see, ours is twenty one. Yeah, so. so close. Right. Okay, so same ballpark. Yeah, and and it was funny because we got rid of an old couch, and before we went, we're like, well, let's 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 check the couch. This was about what ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and we was like, well, let's see if anything got lost in there. And I just we were throwing it, to, you know, to the curb, and I cut open the back, and there was Andrew found. There's my John Stewart figure. I've been missing that thing for <laughs> five years. Well, you know? <laughs> that's really funny. Well, I mean, that was going through the figures. One of the things that we stopped on is, was an Amanda Waller figure. Speaking of the episode we're about to talk about, and I just love the fact that there was an Amanda Waller action figure. Right. Yeah, I just I love that they did that. I yeah. mean, forget that they did Copperhead and they did all these other wacky, you know, Amanda Waller gets her own action figure and she looks as badass as she is in the episodes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 
love it. I mean, they they went all in. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into this episode we're going to talk about here. Yes. So let's open the Cadmus <laughs> files and jump into our discussion on Doomsday Sanction. Officially, there's no the, although I keep wanting to call it the Doomsday Sanction. Uh, it reminds me of that Clint Eastwood movie, The Iger Sanction, uh, which I think Florida Governor Ron DeSantos now has a file on the Disney president that's named that. But you know, oh, like, but I. <laughs> <laughs> Political, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so the Doomsday Sanction originally aired February 19th, 2005. The story was by Dwayne McDuffie, so you know it's going to be good. Teleplay by Robert Goodman, directed by Dan Ribba, with music by Michael McQuistion. The cast was by the always Kevin Conroy as Batman, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, Carl Lumbly as Jean Jones, George Newbern as Superman, Michael Rosenbaum as Flash, C.C.H. Pounder as Amanda Waller, Michael J. White as Doomsday, J.K. Simmons as General Eiling, Armin Sherman as Dr. Milo, Robert Foxworth as Professor Hamilton, and Juliet Landu as Talia. Amanda Waller steps out of her morning shower to find she has an uninvited visitor, Batman. The Dark Knight demands to know that Waller and her Cadmus project are up to. Waller tells Batman she knows about what the Justice Lords did and she's preparing for that eventuality here on this Earth. Batman tells her that the League will take them down if they threaten the Earth, but Waller counters that the League is the real threat. On the Watchtower, Batman confers with the founding leaguers about Cadmus. They agree that Lex Luthor, who just announced he is running for president, is probably bankrolling the off-the-books project. A similar meeting is taking place at Cadmus headquarters, with Waller asking about several projects, including the status of Doomsday's recovery from the Justice Lord Superman lobotomizing him. Waller receives a report from geneticist Professor Milo and is not happy. She fires the scientist after another failed gene-splicing experiment. Milo dreams of killing the Cadmus Council, but instead leaves the room dejected. A despondent Milo walks into Doomsday's chamber and tells the Beast he knows that he is fully recovered. He then relates the creature's origin, how he was grown from Superman's DNA and conditioned to hate, and one day kill the Man of Steel. When he became uncontrollable, Cadmus launched him into space, but he escaped. His encounter with the Justice Lord Superman left him temporarily lobotomized. Milo releases Doomsday, thinking he will help him get revenge on Waller and Hamilton, but the monster murders him instead and escapes in a rocket pod. On San Baccaro, the League is evacuating the populace from an imminent volcanic eruption, while Superman tries to divert the pressure of the volcano by tunneling through it. Doomsday arrives to interrupt his plans, and a brutal battle ensues. At Cadmus, Waller orders General Eiling to take care of Doomsday. His solution is to launch a nuclear missile with a kryptonite warhead at San Baccaro. Jean and Batman pick up the missile on the Watchtower's instruments, and Batman calls Waller on her private line to the U.S. president. Batman learns Waller didn't know of the missile strike and takes off in the javelin to stop it. Waller confronts Eiling about his actions, and he coldly relates his reasoning, taking three of their problems out at once. Unable to stop the missile any other way, Batman magnetizes the javelin and attracts the missile to it. He then pulls up and away from the island, ejecting in an escape pod as the missile detonates into the ocean. Superman's battle with Doomsday continues, with the Man of Steel seemingly down for the count. He tries to lobotomize the creature with his heat vision, but the monster informs him that won't work again. Instead, Superman tosses him into the volcano as it erupts. Wonder Woman flies in and pulls the Metropolis Marvel out as lava consumes the island. Later on the Watchtower, the Founding Leaguers, minus Batman, question Doomsday, who is now encased in cooled magma. He refuses to tell them anything about Cadmus, only vowing to kill Superman again. 
Superman sentences him to the Phantom Zone where he won't be hurt, but can hurt no one else. When Superman and Diana visit an injured Bruce Wayne in the medical ward, he knows what they've done. He accuses Superman of acting like his Justice Lord counterpart and wonders what he'll do if Luther becomes president of this Earth. When Superman jokes about Batman having to take him down with his piece of kryptonite, a furious Dark Knight lets him know it's no laughing matter. They leave Bruce to rest as he stares at the TV, presidential candidate Lex Luthor looking back at him. Okay, that was a little bit longer than we try to get our synopsis nowadays, but there's a lot to unpack in this episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> I condensed it down as best I could. Uh, so we start with badass Amanda Waller, as you put it, Dan. Uh, her alarm clock is going off, and it's set very early for 4.30 a.m. Ugh. <laughs> that's, that's really early. Uh, and well, we, we get up at 5.50. I know, but 4.30, I mean, gosh, that's just, does that seem early, Dan? Do you think that's early? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, in fact, there was a, a, a joke just this week on uh, Ted Lasso about, uh, about having to get up at 4 a.m., and it's, it's. That's nobody should have to get up at 4 a.m. And I know people do. And God bless you for doing it. But man, that is early. It is early. <laughs> uh, and we see the first thing she does is look at video monitors, showing her security detail. I like that. This is this is a woman who knows she lives a very dangerous life. Right. You know, Oh, but, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that that's a great bit. Of course, that also sets up what's going to happen later. But uh-huh. That's the first thing she does. And then. There's a there's news about the active volcano that's on the TV. That's Chekhov's volcano. Uh-huh. It's going to go off later, <laughs> obviously. Uh, then we get our first confirmation that Lex Luthor is indeed running for president. They had hinted that he might go into politics uh-huh. after he was, you know, pardoned. But this is the first time they've come out and said he's running. So, what are your thoughts on the whole President Luthor thing, Dan? Like from the comics and iteration since, what, what's your what's your thoughts on that? When it was when it was going on in the comics, it was during what I call my great hi- hiatus. So I, I don't have you know it's it's not something that kind of snuck up on me. I knew about it after the fact and thought it was a at first like a preposterous idea. How could anybody elect someone who was so obviously venal and self interested in this um, country? Um. Um. <laughs> Let's see what. And that's happened. all I'll say about yeah. And then and, and I thought that that was stretching the bounds of credibility. Um, it was not, and uh, that's all I'll say about that. But I think the concept is great. I've always the thing about Lex Luthor, and this is also I think this the version of Lex Luthor that we see in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited is I think the best Luthor. Um, the 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 ultimate example of the character. I I always I always dug the whole, you know what what uh, John Byrne and Marv Wolfman did with the character in the eighties by making him this sort of you know corporate, you know overlord who was evasive and elusive. It was difficult for Superman to pin down. I thought that that was a much more interesting challenge than just simply having him in a power suit or a battle suit and having his you know scheme of the month or or what have you. So. The idea of him as this type of character is something that has always appealed to me. And of course, here it's chilling because we know what happened on the Justice Lord's Earth. We know what it you know, precipitated. So we're, we're basically seeing in this context, history repeat itself, which is, of course, the germ of the entire Cadmus arc to begin with. So having this happen, you're now you, there's a sense of dread that comes from it. But conceptually, it, it obviously works as a storytelling device. 
Yeah, I, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. I was still reading comics at the time. I kind of dropped out of the Superman books, but I, I felt the same way. I'm like, okay, this this would never happen. This would, <laughs> and I'm not going to say any more either. But all I'm going to say is Justice League and The Simpsons. Yeah, right. you into the future. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, and I and I agree. And I, what I love about the Lex on just from Superman the animated series through Justice League Unlimited, they took Lex through all his different iterations. He was yes. The, yes. the untouchable business tycoon. Then he was the mad scientist. And he, yeah. he's, he's in his prison grades later. You know what I mean? He's, you yeah. know, so, I mean, he's, he's, he's every version of Lex throughout this series. That's what's so great about JLU and Justice League anyway, is that, and it's the same thing with Batman and Superman, is that, is that not to go too far off point, but this is where, you know, I used to be a continuity nerd I, when I was younger. I, I've since, I've since given that up because it's, it's a, it's a pointless endeavor and I and I I really really I, I I go by story I go by head canon and all that kind of stuff, but like you said, what what was great about the Tim verse in general was the fact that all of the characters were boiled down to their most basic elements, and they also used to they would adapt them for different versions. You know, like you said, Luther got we got to see different versions of Luther. We've gotten to see um, you know all of the Easter eggs that they've thrown in you know, for Batman over the year with all the characters that have shown up there, for example, but they were based, they were fresh, but they were based in comic book history, but they basically took the best of the various versions and made them into one. And, and Luther, I think is a great example of that. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so then we see uh, Waller, she walks past the monitors again, and as she goes by, each one goes black. I, I really like that. That's uh -huh. a nice that's a nice touch. She doesn't pay attention to them this time because they were okay earlier, mm -hmm. which I like. So uh, then, as we say, she gets in the shower, and then when she reaches for her towel, Batman hands her her robe <laughs> and says, get dressed. It's time we talked. I mean, what an opening. And that's the right. opening. Yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah. like, yeah. wow. <laughs> and what a great, I mean, obviously a great moment for Batman to show that he can just infiltrate this stronghold yes. without any detection. You know, it's, it's such a great bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's also making the point that he can get her when she's at her most vulnerable. Yes. Uh -huh. And, and she, you know, she give, because she's Amanda Waller, she gives it right back to him. And I, I also love the animation in this sequence in that it's, it's steamy because of the, because of the shower. So they, 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 they animate it with this kind of like this, this whitest sheen over the over the you know over the imagery so it really looks like they're in a they're in a steaming hot bathroom um I, it's a it's a it's a little questionable that batman took this route but he also <laughs> was obviously trying to make a point yeah uh and uh, it is a point well made because at the end of the encounter after she's you know you know she stood up to him we see that her hand is shaking. Yes. You know, he's gotten through to her. But that also but that also is a character moment for her, which shows why why Waller and why the members of Cadmus, who are not all evil, but I have very deep concerns about, as Bruce Wayne later says, the space laser that is pointed pointed at the planet 
that is operated by people who could wipe off, pretty much wipe out humanity if they were so inclined, or at least try to control it. So it, it, that's, the, that's the wonderful part of, of McDuffie's writing and the wonderful part of this whole story is that the characters are dealing with really big issues, but they're also human and I, or human, even if they're alien, they're human, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, and it's those kind of character beats that really make a huge difference in, in not just this storyline, but the difference between the Bruce Tim uh, cartoons and anything that had come before. Yes. I mean, there's a level of sophistication here. I mean, you know, the, Batman is confronting uh, this this woman in his, in her shower. I mean, like you said, it it is questionable, uh, but like he catches her when she's very vulnerable. Obviously, you're mm -hmm. you're never more vulnerable and, and than to show her that he can. I mean, it was yeah. yeah. I mean, he was dev he was flexing. There's, there's yes. no question. Yeah, it, you're never more vulnerable than when you're naked. I mean, <laughs> like right. obviously, yeah. uh, Batman. You know, he rattles off Waller's resume, and then she says she could do the same. And it it was heavily hinted at that Waller knew Batman was Bruce Wayne, and in, in the episode right. Ultimatum, she called him Rich Boy. Yeah. Uh, and he then threatens to expose her if she exposes him. You know, and she, he goes secret weapons, illegal cloning experiments, bypassing Congress. You know, which. Uh, and he wants to know what she's doing and she tells him, that's what I think he's like, you know, what are you doing? It's like, well, here's what I'm doing. You know, Superman told us, he told the government about what the justice Lords did to get Lex Luthor, his pardon so that they could use his power nullifying gun to stop the justice Lords. Right. And once they found that out, a certain sect of them got nervous and they developed Cadmus to stop the justice league. If necessary, I mean you you understand it. I yeah, mean, you know it I mean, is. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's it, it. It is the brilliance of the way that they play this arc is that it is that both sides have reason to feel aggrieved, and at the same time, both sides uh, have a reason to fear the other. Uh, it's 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 a because you're dealing with people uh, on the Cadmus side, like I said, with the exception of I mean. Waller is 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 morally compromised because she's willing to deal with you know the Professor Milo's of the world to get her you know to get what get what she needs to have done. The Justice League tends to be a little bit more selective about the people they're willing to work with, but they are willing to bend the rules and push the envelope to a point where obviously people like Waller are very, as you said, very nervous about it. And I think that's what that's part of what makes this arc so effective is that it's comp it is complex it is not easy it is not obvious and even batman the one who is who is um uh, confronting her as we know and as we really come to know sees her point yeah he gets it yeah. and that's that's also what gives it nuances because he doesn't necessarily disagree with her but he disagrees with her yeah, and it's kind of interesting, too, because you mentioned that they're willing to work with people like Milo and Professor Hugo Strange, but right. the Justice League compromised themselves by getting Lex pardoned so they could use his weapon. Right. Right. And and now they've right. set him up to where he could become the president and then right. <laughs> actually create well, the world of the Justice Lords. <laughs> the, the, well, the, the theme of the, of the entire arc is, does power ultimately corrupt in the end anyway is it is it inevitable yeah. or is it possible to stay on the side of angels and that's that's what this is all about this whole idea of absolute power and does it corrupt absolutely and in the hands of some of the, 
of Waller and some of her people, you would say yes. And in the Justice League, you would say no, except we have the Justice Lords as a really good example of why we wouldn't really take all that much to push this team into, you know, into another category. And even within this within this episode, we see what could be seen as first steps taken toward fascism. And yeah. that's I mean, that's that's heady stuff for a for what is essentially an all ages cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but that's what makes it brilliant. Yeah. I mean, we're they're essentially I mean, that's I mean, it's not like it's a G.I. Joe or Transformers thing, but essentially this this show is meant to move merchandise to a point like the action figures we were talking right. about. But yet we're, we're having these very complex you know, philosophical debates amongst these characters. Yeah. And they're, I mean, you know, Waller ends their conversation. We're the good guys protecting our country from a very real threat. Which I mean, again brings the yeah. other question up is, do the ends justify the means? Right. Because they are so afraid of having the Justice Lords, they're willing to work with these villains. Right. So, right. you know. And we'll see that General Eiling takes it to the next level in yeah. this very episode. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you know, I, I do, I will say that I do kind of, I feel a little bit hypocrit- hypocritical here because I love this storyline. I generally don't like to see my heroes mistrusted, uh, especially at this level, but it's so well done that right. I, I, I enjoy it. And especially, you know, based on what they did with Superman in the Legacy episode, the end of the Superman animated series, where Darkseid controlled them, and that's reverberated through this entire series. And the fact that, um, you know, of course, the Justice Lords, but I do feel hypocritical because I love this show so much, but then I dislike Zack Snyder's cynical take Is on the heroes. Is dislike a strong enough word for that? <laughs> but but it, they, they earned it. I feel like they earned it. They had 10 years of pretty positive stories, and then they came here, you know, so... Yeah, I, I think I think when you when and then this is the this is the issue that and I do not want to get into a tangent about Zack Snyder. No, no, that. no, we don't. <laughs> but 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 the difference is here is exactly what you said. They had they had a long time to develop these characters that they, they got to a point where a deconstruction didn't feel forced. It didn't it felt natural. It felt like an evolution of this world and of these characters. And I'm like you, I never I never like the idea of, you know, oh, they would instantly mistrust these people. Batman, I would understand, and that was always that was baked into the character from his first appearance, right? Um, but the idea of, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman being mis, you know, miss, you know, oh no, we, we've got to be scared of these really great people who've just been sacrificing all this stuff to do great things for humanity, and we shouldn't, you know. And, I, and I've never, I've never really gotten to that. But what, what I liked here is that it shows a plausible reason, and that's it. It's a plausible reason for how this could happen. That even though the Justice League had proved itself to be on the side of right the entire time, you could see where, you know, frankly, rational people would think ah, there is such a thing as too much power, and they're not really in check, and. Frankly, the, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe played with the same concept. I mean, that you know, the whole idea of the Sokovian Accords, which I know we had Civil War in the comics and 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 all of that, but I think JOU came before that, didn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, certainly before Marvel. I mean, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the but the the Civil War uh, storyline. So it deals with a lot of those same themes, and I think it does 
I think it does so really, really maturely without also sacrificing any of the action that the kids would want to watch. Yes, exactly. Although I will have to say it also might, it gave a lot from, you know, my son was only about seven or eight years old when he first saw these. Uh, and we talked about these themes. I mean, he, he understood the concept, which was good. He, he, he like, he's like, okay, I can understand how you can have sort of two sides of the same coin. So yeah. they did definitely make it accessible beyond adult, uh, adult uh, thinking. Well, that's cool. That's, that's, that's nice that he, they reached him at that age. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, he definitely, yeah. Yeah. It, it, to, and to this day, it's his, it's also his favorite uh, uh, story arc in uh, justice league. Right, right. I I just want to point out that, you know, of course, you know, we love obviously Kevin Conroy here, uh, but CCH Pounder is wonderful as Amanda Waller. Oh, she's great. She's fantastic. I, I, I It's interesting. I saw a, a, a special feature on one of the DVDs where Bruce Tim says um, she it was very obvious when she came in every time that she hadn't read the script. But yeah. all they had to do was kind of direct her, and she hit it every time. Just, I mean, just <laughs> she was that good. <laughs> I had read that also that she had no idea. I mean, it was a job, right? You know, she she wasn't familiar with the characters, she wasn't familiar with the comics, any of it. They and like you said, they and she nails it. Yeah. I mean, she's perfect. And I cannot, I cannot hear. I mean, despite all the other wonderful actresses who've played Amanda Waller now, I still this is the 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 perfect version her voice is that it's i mean that's great casting yeah. so she is a natural ball busting badass yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah exactly <laughs> yes uh we then cut to the watchtower and the original seven leaguers are being debriefed by batman about cadmus it's interesting that they let shyera uh-huh. sit at the table at this point because her and wonder wonder woman still has a axe to grind oh yeah they have not yeah yeah they've not they've not uh, buried that hatchet yet that's that's a few episodes from now but uh <laughs> for the warning uh, Batman reminds us that Cadmus was behind the Supergirl clone Galatea and the Ultimate in case you came in late. So that was a nice. And, and then there's a really nice, uh, they do this really nice thing where there's a nice pan across the seats at the table. And then it transitions to a similar meaning at Cadmus, uh, led by Professor Emil Hamilton. Right. Uh, so I, I thought that's a really, it's a really nice cinematic touch. Uh, you know, it's some nice animation there that makes it work. And, and Hamilton tells us Galatea is recovering and, Waller asks about the doomsday weapon. Uh, we see General Eilings at the table. And two old faces we haven't seen since Batman the Animated Series, Professor Hugo Strange and Professor Milo. I remember like going, holy cow, when I first watched this episode. That's Those are some deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, especially for me, Professor Milo, who it's like every time he shows up, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. It's like I never remember him. But then when he shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. He's the other mad scientist. Right, right, right. I, Lynn Wein loved Professor Milo. He said that, you know, he, he, he did. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. 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 He it was it was he, he that's why he brought him back in Moon of the Wolf and and uh, uh, back, you know, in the in the 70s. But he was I think it was. I think Milo was in the first comic he read or one of the earliest comics he read and he just was taken with the character, which is funny because he's really a nothing character. It just goes to show you that somebody's somebody's uh, somebody's favorite could be just the about the right place and the right time. Right. I mean, he's essentially Mo Howard in a lab coat. You know, I mean, so yeah, I, right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, he he first appeared in Detective Comics two forty seven from September nineteen fifty seven, and and like I think that was one of Len Wein's first comics, and he brought him back in yeah. Moon of the Wolf, and then other 
uh, stories in his late 70s, uh, early 80s uh, Batman run. Uh, and that was kind of his, that was, you know, the Moon of the Wolf, of course, was adapted into an episode of the animated series. Uh, he also okay. appeared in the episode Cat Scratch Fever. Uh, he was voiced there by Treat Williams. Uh, he's not voiced by Treat Williams here. He's voiced by Armin Shimmerman, who's best known as everyone's favorite Ferengi Quirk from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Treat Williams was probably unavailable because he was still picking the splinters out of his teeth from chewing the scenery in the Phantom film. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the hammiest supervillain in any comic book movie, Treat Williams. I, I just, I mean, just wow that he, he's hammy in that movie. But that's, I love that movie, but he's just. That's my personal opinion. He's just really over the top. Uh, so uh, we see Professor Hugo Strange. Of course, he's one of the oldest Batman villains, dating back to Detective Comics number 36 from 1940. A after several appearances, he disappeared for nearly 40 years until he returned in a storyline that I know is one of your absolute favorite, Dan, and mine too. Yes. Yeah, the Englehart Rogers run in Detective Comics. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and he doesn't, unfortunately, we don't hear him here. He's just He's just there in the... Right. Uh, in, in the, in the, I just, I just love that he is. Yeah. And, and you don't even have to, I mean, again, if you're, if you're a kid, he's just another person at the table. If you're a longtime fan, you're like, you go straight. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't have to talk. That's, that's the beauty of this show, too, is that with JLU, is they can have all these background characters and all these, and they never talk. It's just that they can do it because they don't have to cast them. So you really, you get to, you, you get to experience characters like this in, in, um, contexts you were you ordinarily might not yeah it's it's uh it's kind of funny because you know hugo strange i think him him and milo are probably they i think at this point the bad embargo had happened to where they couldn't use like the main bat characters beyond batman anymore because the batman ah. was on right uh, and but milo and professor hugo strange were probably deep enough in the bench that they could right. they could get away with using them. So so no more Joker, but get Hugo Strange and Professor Milo. So. <laughs> uh, another seat at the table is filled by an even more obscure DC villain that I never saw coming at all. That's Tala. She was a recurring foe temptress for the Phantom Stranger. She first appeared in issue number four, uh, November, December 1969 of his Bronze Age title. She is voiced here by Juliet Landau. Probably best known to genre fans as Drusilla on Buffy, mm -hmm. the Vampire Slayer. She is the daughter of Mission Impossible and Space 1999 stars Martin Landau and Barbara Bain. So, yeah, so that's, uh, uh, she is, becomes very important in this series. Yeah, yeah I know. Especially in season three. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll yeah. see more of her here this season too. So this is the first, she's only got like one line, but, uh. Uh, she's working on a project for Waller to retrieve the armor, armor, but will require additional resources. So that's a nice little setup. Well, one thing I want to talk about that a character you didn't mention was Emil Hamilton. Yeah. Because you think about it. Emil Hamilton was Superman's biggest cheerleader. He was his mm -hmm. top fanboy, everything else in, you know, the Superman animated. And then now you see where he's, one of his biggest detractors. Yeah. 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 I mean, to me, that is a true turnaround. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's something that I thought was very interesting, and it was a long time coming payoff. You know, like I said, one of his big, he was fanboy, oh, it's Superman, let me help you in any way I can. 
nah, man, I'm going to take you down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's it. And in fact, at the end of Legacy, he even says something. There's like a news report where he says, I just don't know if I could trust him anymore uh-huh. or something. And man, they ran with that. Yeah. On here because, I mean, you know, Supergirl still thinks she can trust him. Yeah. And, and now here he is sitting, you know, at this table plotting Superman's demise. I I'm, mean. I'm saying. I yeah. mean, that's. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. That's. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 that's the brilliance of that storytelling because again it goes the good people it, they didn't make it a bunch of mustache twirling you know that's what I'm it's saying. not the legion of doom yeah i mean that's you know what it's I'm, not you know yeah yeah exactly you're you're seeing you know good people who you otherwise trust starting to lose their faith mm-hmm. and that is that it's 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 a it's a it is a sophisticated theme for this kind of traditionally for this kind of programming um, and then, of course, the ultimate example also is Batman himself, as we see throughout this whole episode, because he himself, among them, is starting to become concerned because he is, you know, and again, he being the stand in, you know, for the you know, he's the human being. He's the right. one without the powers. The so he's tremendously capable. But, you know, he also and, you know, it, the whole idea, of course, as we've seen develop, uh, you know, over the last uh, 20, 25 years that. Well, it actually really goes back to the early 80s, how Batman had had grown suspicious of the Justice League. And they kind of created this this tension between Batman and the rest of the league that plays out very well here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Flash questions why they'd be worried about the league conquering this world, because uh, Batman reminds him the Justice Lords did. But Flash counters that happened after he was killed. In that dimension, and if the leaguers concentrate on keeping him alive, everything should be fine. And everybody just kind of looks at him like, "That's not how this works." Wally, <laughs> I love that. I love the response. Yeah, just everybody's like looking at him, stone faced. Yeah, and John's like, well, "Let's put a pin in that or something." You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> it's we're not going to pop your balloon. Diplomatic but... way of saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they are nearly certain Camus is being bankrolled by none other than presidential candidate Lex Luthor, who had once funded General Hardcastle's rogue operations, Batman points out. So uh, Batman tells him he has the question looking into it, and I love the reaction <laughs> that the other yes. leaguers have. <laughs> oh, they all groan and flash says, not that kook. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Batman, Batman admits, He's wound a bit too tightly, but (laughs) I mean, when Batman thinks you need to chill, then you know, (laughs) wow, you know, (laughs) I love that coming out of Kevin Kevin Conroy saying that, you know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. uh, that's, that, that, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, and Jeffrey Combs doesn't even have to show up in this episode, but everybody loves him as the question. And as soon as yeah. they mention them, you're like, oh, yeah, he's such a nut, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, back to Cadmus, Milo looks disheveled, and the rest of Cadmus seems to not to not be too pleased with his unsuccessful splicing of human and animal D&D, DNA. I almost said D&D. <laughs> splicing of, we haven't seen that movie yet. We haven't seen yet. that movie yet. Splicing of human and animal DNA. I mean, the guy made a werewolf, though. I mean... Right. Right, he's obviously right. had success, mm-hmm. but I guess his—they're not too taken with his uh, his warthog human uh, that uh, tore up his lab, apparently. Yeah. And you kind of get—they yeah. they probably had to uh, 
take him down. He does name drop Kirk Langstrom, though. Yeah. I like that. Yes. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't see Kirk Langstrom sitting at this table, though, because yeah. I would have I would have been like, oh, come on, Langstrom, you owe Batman more than that, you know? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> Langstrom only showed up in two episodes, you know, the man batting and the she-bat yeah. episodes. So, but yeah, so Batman helped him out every time. But, but you know, if he had been here, he could have maybe have been Batman's inside to tell him about Cadmus. Mm-hmm. You know, that might have been a nice little bit. He could have whistleblown to Batman, but... You know, and, you know, been nice to hear Mark Singer <laughs> again as Kirk Langstrom. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, Waller fires him right in front of the rest of the staff. That's that's pretty cold. But even worse, she says she doesn't have much of a sense of humor, but she knows a sick joke when she sees one. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not that's not going to motivate him at all to prove her wrong. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's it's just not a not a good not a good way of. I mean, I, I much prefer John's John's approach to basically cooling the, the cooling the flash. He's like, oh, let's put a pin in that for now. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like, you're a joke. And of course, what does he do? He's like, he, he it just gives him the motivation to run off and and create havoc. Yeah, and I mean, he we see that scene where he, you know, she's still talking, and he pulls out some kind of laser rifle. And just starts firing on them, and everything turns red. Right. I, I mean, of course, we learn that's only in his mind, but I, I don't remember ever them ever doing anything like this before right. on here. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really what nice touch. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, you know, there's been times during staff meetings I've been kind of going, "Oh, please just shut up! Can I have a tape to put on there? Not to the laser level, but you know, <laughs> come on, let's put some tape on you and shut up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've never never wanted to like you know murder anybody no, and no. I mean, but i have wanted to just get up and stomp out right. or something yeah. you know yeah it's yeah it's yeah. It, yeah obviously milo is is unhinged uh, what i think's funny and you didn't mention this is did you notice that general eiling is the one who ratted milo out to amanda waller mm, okay because she's like yeah eiling told me oh gotcha so gotcha. you okay. know so he's so sowing dissension in the ranks yeah, the island's yeah. a piece of work, man. He he really is. <laughs> I love that they. I love that they just drew, they drew him like um like J.K. Simmons anyway. Right, yeah. right. I mean, he looks he looks just like him. He does. Yeah. He looks like him. Of yeah. course, yeah. It's 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 and that was really before J.K. Simmons was kind of like his popularity was like oh he's J.K. Simmons yeah. like he's yeah. like one of the premier. he was a he was a that guy actor at that time yeah yeah oh he's the yellow Eminem and J. Jonah Jameson you know <laughs> basically right, just, right yeah at that point now he's like one of the premier character actors you know of our yeah. time but at the time it's so they but yeah he looks he doesn't look like the comic book General Island and just, the insurance guy it is the insurance guy we are farmers right I knew he couldn't let that go without doing a little tagline not a sponsor but uh the but you could room. be if anybody's listening. Yeah, that's, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, Milo's got clearance, like you say, Dan. What's the first thing he does? They haven't revoked his clearance. He walks into Doomsday's cell, tells him he knows he's faking being brain dead, and you know, and then he starts. In case you don't remember, here's your origin. So we. We find out the DCAU origin of Doomsday. He's a clone of Superman, or at least he's grown from his DNA. 
this is honestly a little bit closer to what they did in the DCEU version of him than the than the comic version. Yeah. So uh, then they trained him to hate Superman and made it appear that Superman was torturing him. What'd you guys think about all the the Clockwork Orange? That's what I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> oh my Clockwork goodness. Orange. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, again, you know, I mean, it was definitely an homage. Um, but again, it's 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 one of those touches that they 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 like to subtly push the envelope particularly as the series went on where they figured you know if you if you think to the fact that early in the you know Batman the animated series they still couldn't really show much in the way of violence they had to do trickery to show fighting and you know the way guns would be you know would you know drawn and there 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 were they, they had limitations and they were pushing up against those limitations as all of the series went on and I think it's because they they probably had so much credibility by that time that they could get away with certain things um but i think that you know the fact that you know even my you know Mila, not only just you get the, the the creepiness of the clockwork orange but you also actually have milo get killed off camera yes which is i mean you know they that's not that's that's something they would not have done i always thought it was funny that whenever you see um like in the early episodes of batman the animated series a uh, a crook could fall out, you know, fall out of a biplane, you know, you know, five hundred feet into the water, and then they always show the, you know, coming back up, yeah. gasping for air. Yeah, they always had to show that they never, they never just left it there. But here, it's like, no, he he killed him, and which is actually much in the way he was killed. Well, believed to have been killed back in Moon of the Wolf too, because right. his creature turns on him in the end. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, it's it's that was shocking that they actually just yeah i mean it's it's off camera but you see him coming to him and and he's like yeah. you know you can can you solve our problems and he's like your problems are solved but you know it's like you're right. not gonna you're not gonna have any problems anymore uh and this is after you know milo tries to convince him hey they try to they conditioned you to hate superman but it's not superman you should hate it's waller and hamilton they're the ones right. that did this to you. They're the ones that tortured you. That you know, he sees this vision of Superman's heat vision blasting uh-huh. him, uh, but it's but it's not it's not them. And then he explains that they couldn't control him. They put him in the rocket, and he broke out, and that's why he crashed to Earth in a better world. Uh-huh. And he fought the Justice Lord Superman and got lobotomized. But I, I wonder at the time if they had any inclination, I mean, I, I don't think they had any idea they were ever going to do this because they didn't even know they were going to get picked up for right, right. another right. season. Right. So I'm, I, you know, his appearance in that episode is almost, it's more to show just how ruthless this justice Lord Superman is that, you know, he doesn't yes. waste time getting into a slobber knocker fight with him. He just lobotomizes him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, he's already killed the president, even though it was lax, but you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah the fact that they picked up that thread and did this with it is just again amazing yeah 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 well they were they were masters at that i mean they 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 i mean all the way through justice league also the the various threads with batman and various threads with superman especially who had their own shows things that were on in those shows that get paid off you know in justice league and and in a way that is organic um and like I said, it's just masterful storytelling. It's like, okay, what are we going to play with? Or maybe you know they thought if we hey listen, I will, we'll we'll come back to this if we if we ever have the chance to come back to this, I would like it. Or they just look and say hey, you know I had an idea 
we can do something with that scene and and here we go with 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 using it as 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 a, a grist for for a you know a wonderful storyline yep yep Doomsday is voiced once again by Michael J. White, who has some comic cred, having played the lead in the film adaptation of Todd McFarlane's Spawn, and he played the gangster Gamble, who didn't much care for the Joker horning in on the Gotham mob scene in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. So, yes. <laughs> although you can't really tell it's him because they put such a effect on his voice right. that it could it could have been Pee Wee Herman, it could have been Paul Rubens playing Doomsday, right. honestly. <laughs> yeah. uh, Waller instantly knows who freed him. I'll have his hide for this. And that soldier says, Doomsday beat you to it, ma'am. Uh, do you think that was literal? <laughs> or was it just that he killed him? I mean, with Doomsday, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. I was just kind of yeah. like, my mind went there this time when I watched it. I'm like, oh, that's even that's even worse. Uh, so well, then we he'd been locked up. He was hungry. Yeah, he was hungry. He was hungry. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we then cut to the island of San Bacaro, uh, which, um, you know, again, we were told it was going to erupt. It was set up early. So and we see the League evacuating the population. We see Hawk and then Wonder Woman and Flash. Uh, they are talking to Superman, who's drilling holes in a volcano, trying to relieve some pressure and possibly stop it from erupting. And I don't know about you two, but I never get tired of seeing Superman tunneling through the Earth from the adventures of Superman to, of course, Superman the movie. It always just looks great. Yeah, and 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 I I have a particular. I know this is going to sound weird, but I have a particular affinity for Superman and volcanoes, which goes back to the Fleischer uh, uh, cartoons, the mm. episode Volcano. Yes, which is one of my favorites. Mm. It's the story is very basic, but it's beautiful. And the the and the same thing here. I mean, you put Superman in that in that subterranean world where it's all reds and yellows and oranges and golds, and it just looks great. And I think, and the effects that they gave of 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 showing the, the the lava flow and the explosions underground, it's just a, a a marvelously animated sequence with great effects. It 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 gives you, I mean, there's again timing being what it is. It, it there's there's some you know I think Revenge of the Sith came after this, but that battle is very very reminiscent of the of the Anakin Skywalker versus uh, Obi Wan Kenobi fight. You know when. And and just it's it's instant drama, and I, I'm a sucker for that kind of battle. I think it, it it looks great. It's a great you know concept, and it also is a great way of you know it's visually stunning, but it's also so dramatic that these guys are going to have this knockdown dragout fight inside of, of a, a an erupting volcano. Is just I mean that if you're if you if you're going to show the, the 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 power set of two incredibly powerful people, this is a good way to do it. Right at that chaotic, you know, the Earth at its most violent. Really, yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that, exactly. That's a great thing, and, and it just hit me, you know, uh, the, the volcano, the erupting Mount Vesuvius, is what caused Superman to switch places with his evil. I was evil. sitting here thinking the same thing on Super Friends. Yep, the Universe of Evil, my absolute favorite episode of Super Friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you know, oddly enough, that's the, the original version of the Justice Lords. Well, if you don't cry. Count the Crime Syndicate, yeah. the original animated right. version of the Evil Justice League, right. right? So, yeah, I thought that was I just popped in my head, but yeah, good point about uh, yeah. I think, let's see, did Revenge of the Sith came out? Did it come out the same year? Maybe I can't remember what year Revenge of the Sith came out. It might have been two thousand five, but yeah, it's yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, it's very similar, and and 
that's just a great that's a great setup. You know, just a great place yeah. to have a battle. Yeah. Uh, Soup says he has to be careful. He could possibly set it off. And then Doomsday shows up, and I love his lines. This Superman, I'm here to kill you. Is this a bad time? <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> he's got a sense of humor. Doomsday does have a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not just, you know, he's, he's, I love that. That's great. Yeah. And of course the epic battle begins. Superman uses heat vision to drop a rock on him. And he says, I remember those eyes, which, you know, then he punches Superman right in him with those bony knuckles. Of yeah. His. Ow. I mean, and it, it's kind of weird how they show it. He just like, it looks like he's got like dents in his head almost. It's, mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously they couldn't show his eyes all bloody and gory and stuff but you know and i I don't think i really want to see that anyway but uh it's it's yeah the the fact that they had him do that um again what dan you're right because there's a couple things in here and i'll just go ahead and mention it's later in the fight but i know for one thing and i've mentioned this before and i think it's in the batman animated book that that chip kid and paul dini did that um it says there was a note from you know uh standards and practices that said uh bane can't pick robin up by his head because another big a bigger kid could do that with a smaller kid and they wouldn't let him do that but in this one doomsday picks up superman by his head and just tosses him around yeah so i mean that that shows you how it's changed since also an adult to an adult yeah well that's true too but yeah well robin's a kid but still i mean well he's teen well he's a college kid in that show But but i'm saying i know yeah but yeah so uh, Superman tries to reason with him, but he doesn't care if he's not the same Superman. He says he he he's going to kill him. It's who I am. I don't care why. And that's kind of I like that because that's Doomsday's whole existence, yeah. reason for existing in and out of comic the, the comic universe and in the publishing in the real world. You know, he's there to kill Superman. Right. Right. You know, that's what he was created for. So. And it's also what's interesting is that is that when Milo, you know, Milo tries to explain to him that Superman's not your villain. Doomsday is so deeply conditioned that it, that it goes nowhere. It's like, no, I'm still here to kill Superman. It doesn't, whatever Milo tells him, whether he believes him or not, he his his raison d'etre is to kill Superman. And there's nothing that's going to change that, which, of course, also helps to lead up to the ultimate resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular episode, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a theme that has come up many times, you know, in, in, in recent Superman history, it, it dealt with it in Man of Steel. What do you deal? What do you do when you're fighting a villain who is only there to kill you and has your same, you know, abilities? Yeah. No, I did like to use your point before. I didn't like the way Snyder uh, re- resolved it, but here it's a much more, Again, every time Superman, it's weird because you're having this big action moment, but Superman's actions here are also character moments. You know, the fact that he does try to lobotomize him. It shows us as the viewer, maybe the just, maybe Cadmus isn't so wrong after all. Right. But at the same time, if you were faced with a doomsday, would you not use whatever means necessary that you had at your disposal to try to stop this thing that is obviously not to be reasoned with? Right. I mean, and in the comic book, Superman killed Doomsday, or thought he did. When they fought, they right. killed each other. So Superman went for a killing right. blow. So here, he's yeah. not actually trying to kill him. <laughs> but, right. you know, uh, yeah. so you, I mean, 
which one's, you know, it, it's kind of weird because it's like, well, he was actually murdering him in the, in the comics, but almost seems worse here because right. he's willing to like leave him alive, but brain dead. Right. And, you know, so, yeah. yeah so it's, it's, it's less merciful in a lot of ways. Um, but well, uh, yeah, we, and which will, which will play out shortly. I don't want to get too, I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah, this, there's, there's, there's a deeper payoff uh, uh, not too far after this. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, but he's so conditioned and general Eiling is actually, he's like proud that doomsday. <laughs> I love a well-conditioned yeah. soldier, you know, I, I was just, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's like, he went straight for Superman. You know, it's like, I, wow. I mean, you know, this, <laughs> I, I kind of saw Eiling's point in Darkheart because, I mean, he was like, just, well, you guys have a freaking space cannon? What? You know? Right. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I kind of saw his point, but here it's like, you know, he is definitely, you know, Waller's kind of like, okay, I can see her point, but Eiling's kind of over in the next aisle you know yeah. like like I, you, I i'm not subscribing to your newsletter dude you're just too you know you're, you're, you're yeah. too far gone a little bit but yeah it, it's of course then he she tells him to take care of doomsday and he orders a nuclear strike on the island on mm-hmm. a populated non-threatening island to boot i mean i i mean wow uh just wow i, I mean i remember thinking Wow, they're going there on this show. That's just he literally chose the nuclear option. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we see Vixen. I always have to point out the different heroes we see. We see Vixen helping Flash and Wonder Woman. But I love that Superman tells him something's come up. Just keep doing what you're doing, and he tells them, "Don't worry about me. Get the people off the island." I love the fact that you know because they kind of play around that Superman is not as boy scoutish as he normally is in this series. But yes. ultimately Superman, his that's his primary focus, save innocent people, get them off the Island. You know, that that's, I love that, that they go, they don't, you know, we might be painting a little bit of gray on Superman, but he's the, the blue right. still showing through, you know, <laughs> I like that. That's nice. Uh, Batman and Jean track the missile, which has kryptonite warhead. Cause of course it does. Uh, but it's meant to take down Superman, probably. And then Batman calls Waller on the president's direct line. <laughs> great, great bit. <laughs> How'd you get this number? <laughs> I also like how her voice changes. She's like, yes, Mr. President. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> How'd you get this line? Yeah. You know? uh, and... Uh, Batman tells her, if anyone dies on that island today, I'm coming for you. Uh, and she says, you do what you have to do, and, and so will I. So I, I right. th- that's a, I mean, their back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. continues just, I, I, it's, it's just, it's great. And, but Batman, because he's Batman, knows just by that conversation that Waller did not call that strike. Right. That she did not know it. I, and I like, she never says that. Yeah. But he could tell right. by her reaction. And that's, that's a nice little bit that, yes, Batman is, a detective. He's super observant of people. He knows that she did not know about this. So yeah, I like that a lot. Then we're getting into the big action beats of this one. John says Captain Adam is on his way from California, but Batman tells him his top speed is Mach two. So Batman decides to do it himself. Of course he does. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> yeah, he runs past Fire and Ice, Black Canary, Vibe, Booster Gold, Obsidian, Hour Man, and Wildcat. Those three were actually apparently getting ready to get in a javelin. Yeah. And he tells them to clear, yeah. clear the hangar, you know. 
But it's nice to see Ted's back on active yeah. duty. So, you know, maybe they, you know, he's, he's got, his, he's got some help and he's working through things. So, so what do you think of Bat- Dan, what do you think of Batman flying a spaceship? Well, that's the, that, <laughs> I, that I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because when I was watching them, I'm like, oh man, there's Batman flying a spaceship because of course, because in, you know, this is the, this is the part of, of, I, I have always had a, a, uh, mixed feelings about the justice league and batman's real you know relationship to it and i think with that going too far off one of the reasons i love this version of the justice league is that it does a masterful job whether you know whoever was writing it whether it was mcduffie or any of the other writers on the show they did such a great job of 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 showing why batman is not only uh, should be in the Justice League, but why he is essential to the Justice League. He has no, he has, uh, you know, no powers. And yet he is the one who, I mean, throughout all of this, from his confrontations to Waller, for his understanding of what that Cadmus is up to something. Without without Batman around, it's, it's the, you know, you get the sense that a lot of the Justice League would be flying blind. And, and they... You know, and you know, but at the same time, this is not the same Batman who roams the streets of Gotham and you know, beating up punks and chasing crazy villains and stuff like that. This is a this is it, it's our Batman, but it's a different Batman. It's a it's a Batman that can exist in a world where there are spaceships and and laser cannons and doomsdays and all of this kind of stuff. So they do a really good job of adapting Batman into this world. But at the same time, I can't help but notice there goes Batman flying a spaceship. And yes, <laughs> what do you think, Cindy? Oh, same. You know, like like Dan said, he said his best. Batman flying a spaceship, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. There's no, there's no. Uh, I'm not. I don't have space. You know, if it were Bones McCoy, what do you think I am? No, Batman's like, all right. I'm on it. Yeah, you know, because right. Batman can do anything, and we all know that Batman's secret power is that he doesn't lose. Right, that's yeah, right. That, that that is his superpowers. That Batman always wins. Right, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, you know it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I know some people have had problems with. Oh, I don't like Batman goes out into space. Oh, you know it's in in a lot well, of you're, that. You're, de- you're 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 dealing you're dealing with a universe where people fly and can look through things and do all sorts of stuff. Look, I'm I'm willing to for the sake of the story, I'm willing to overlook the fact that Batman doesn't really belong there because. As someone pointed out recently, uh, I think I was reading it in Paul Kupperberg's book, uh, Direct Conversations. He was talking with Paul Levitz. He says, you know, nowhere in the nowhere in the annals of recorded history has, has somebody actually like jumped off roofs, roof, roofs and fought crime wearing a bat costume. Yeah. You know, it's 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 it is as implausible as any other superhero. And yet, for some reason, we believe it's practical, you know, possible. And yet it's not. Right. There's no way it's fun. The bat Batman is 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 in his own way as fanciful as the Flash. Yeah, I, I and I'm I'm one of those people who I think you know not to get too far off it like you've been saying, but if you go too realistic, quote unquote, with Batman, then you're kind of missing the point, and it it can almost become right. silly. You know, there's there's right. I mean that and, and and in some ways I, I there's a part of me that kind of, as much as I enjoyed really enjoyed the the Nolan films for the most part, especially the first two, and in found myself enjoying The Batman despite thinking I wouldn't. I actually liked that film. At the same yeah, time, I kind of think, okay, you've 
you you're really pushing it. You're trying to be too realistic. This guy's in a bat costume, you know. It's, right. You know, so right, it's, al- exactly. it's almost more believable that he's flying a spaceship than he is standing around during right. a police investigation of a murder. You know, yes. I mean, you know, because he's in a bat costume. So, but yeah, uh, back to the story. <laughs> Waller confronts Eiling with his solution, and he says they had to sanction Doomsday. They never use the word "kill" in this episode. Of course, not. Doomsday sanction. Uh, they were going to get around to Superman one day, and they have a drug problem with Sam Baccaro. Three birds, one stone. Man, that is cold. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, wow, that is some that is some pre- military precision thinking right there. I mean, that's that's just. However, we see that again with Sam Lane on the Superman show right now. Well, yeah. Some of the decisions that he's made, he's been like, you know, and now he's starting to come around. But yeah, that's true know. too. Superman and Lois, yeah, that's true. But, yeah. But it's a good contrast too, because again, the, the the undercurrent about all you know, one of the themes of all of, of these stories is at what point do you do you lose your humanity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it goes again to that that absolute power corrupting absolutely. Eiling in his mind is not a fanatic. Eiling in his mind is rational. Mm-hmm. This in his mind, this makes sense. In his mind, these are casualties that are affordable casualties because. They are the others and they are a bunch of drug dealers. And so, you know, so what if uh, uh, civilians get hurt in in the big picture? This is something that we need to stop. And what this story is really about is how much we need our humanity to guide us. Mm -hmm. And that's the struggle that Superman is dealing with. That's the struggle that Batman is dealing with. It's the struggle that Waller is dealing with is all of that. It's like, how much does your compassion and your humanity override your power or your decision making and i know that that may seem a little heady for for what we're talking about but that's the brilliance of the of the whole cadmus arc to begin with is that it makes us think about things about superheroes and superhero culture that in in a in a forum that you would not expect it's it's uh i, I can't say it's as effective as watchmen because watchmen is something else entirely but it deals with genuinely big human things about responsibility, about compassion, about power, about politics. It, it, it is a, a marvelous distillation of all of those things and not something that you would expect on Cartoon Network at that time. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, and as far as, you know, humanity and Eiling, uh, fast forward, spoiler warning to season three, and <laughs> he, he trades his humanity. Uh, in, yeah. you know, uh, ultimately. So yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, Waller is actually concerned about killing Superman. You know, she, that comes across in what she's saying. She's like, you know, basically, yeah, we've, we've been preparing to kill if we have to kill Superman, but I'm not ready to kill Superman, you know, at this right. point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that bit too, that shows she's not, she's not where he is obviously right in all this. Um, you know, Doomsday knocks Superman through the volcano to the outside, and there's you know the battle continues. Uh, Jean gets through to Diana, and she orders Flash to get civilians as far away as possible, and then she's going to go back for Superman, despite him telling her not to. And Batman's in the javelin, fires rockets at the missile, but it's magnetized, and then Jean reluctantly tells him that you could magnetize the javelin. I like that. Yeah. He's got this yeah. reservation in his voice. He's like, if I tell him this, he's going to do it. 
right. <laughs> and Batman grabs the missile, pulls away from the island, then up, and then ejects in this pod at the last second. And the missile actually blows up in the ocean mm -hmm. with a mushroom cloud. So it's like, wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I, I thought this is... In some ways, this is similar to the end of Starcross, where Batman takes the old watchtower down into the Thanagarian right. shield generator, but Superman's not there to rescue him at the last minute here. So you've got that, oh, obviously we know they didn't kill Batman, but it, it's still, you know, very powerful. And did anyone mm -hmm. else, like, think about the Dark Knight Rises, even though it's oh yeah, earlier. absolutely, yeah. No, I mean it's almost the same. It's almost the same shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's Batman. He's 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 carrying a nuclear bomb over over, yeah. over the ocean, and it blows, and you think he's dead. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 almost note for note. Yeah, did Christopher Nolan and see that this episode i don't know but uh we see shyara shining knight fire ice and obsidian react behind jean when he's trying to reach batman uh but i do have a few questions i this is thrilling it's nail-biting but I, I have a few things to ask one where is green lantern uh he we saw him earlier in the meeting and flash asked why they weren't working on evacuating the island yet so you have to assume this would be important enough for him to be there Plus, his ring would, like, be really handy to evacuate a bunch of people. But, again, he's, you know, you're talking about universe versus, yeah. you know, the Justice League is more concerned with Earth. Yeah, right. But he is the he is the Green Lantern of, of Earth. Again, but. if there's a big enough thing <laughs> happening in the universe, don't be talking about my man, John Stewart. We'll fight. <laughs> also, okay, if not Green Lantern, would it have made more sense for them to teleport John in front of the missile so he could just fly it up into space or maybe track the missile with the teleporter and then dump it into space. Well, they said something about they couldn't, it was yeah. going too fast. Yeah. They couldn't track it. So that, and but, also it had something where, because he remember he tried to get in front of it and it had, he said it had, a, oh, something, something avoidance yeah. systems or something. Okay. Uh, okay. Three, why not just tell Diana and let her fly out and meet it? You know, but I guess maybe the same thing. The Chivalry. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Batman's not going to ask Wonder Woman to yeah. sacrifice herself. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, too. It's almost, there's almost like, you can almost read that Batman, if you wanted to in this, because Batman does do several really crazy, dangerous things throughout this series. Is he trying to prove, okay, I'm not superhuman, but I can hang with you guys? Mm. I mean, is he does he have, like, superpower envy just a little bit to show that... Okay, I might not have superpowers, but I'm the guy willing to like actually, you know, sacrifice myself here. He's got like super martyr, bat martyr syndrome or something. That 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 does come up in the series, you know, where 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 someone I and I, I forget at which point where someone at, says, "Well, I know you're feeling, I know you're feeling a little vulnerable because you don't have powers that everybody else does." And Batman, whoever it was who says it to him, Batman just stares at him and then just walks off or ignores yeah. him or whatever. But it, it's I, so I don't think that's his motivation here. I think it's just Batman being Batman. Yeah, and he, you know, whatever, whatever it takes, and he will do whatever it takes. And if he th if he thinks he's the only one who can do something, that he will do it by you know he he never never shies away from the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
I, I definitely agree. I just think it's kind of funny to think that Batman's like, okay, I'll prove you. To, <laughs> you know? yeah. I can hang with you. Uh, so we back to the Doomsday fight. Like we said, Superman tries to lobotomize him. It, Doomsday tells him it won't work twice. It's mm-hmm. just like in the comic books. You can't kill him the same way twice. He like, you know, recuperates and learns how to survive. Adapts. Adapt. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. <laughs> that's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Superman throws him into the volcano, and we hear a very slow and somewhat menacing version of the Superman animated thing, which I thought was a nice touch. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Superman just drops to his knees, and Diana flies and pulls in a, him out. But I, I don't think that lava would have killed Superman. I just he probably would have just you know he might have found him in some rock later on. But <laughs> that that occurred that occurred to me too. But it was it, I was like I don't think she really needs to save him here. But it's 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 a good it's a good dramatic moment, and it's also a good character moment for Wonder Woman. It also shows the loyalty that they have for each other. Yeah. And, um, and it's also good to see Superman get saved for once. Yes. So that it, it also drives home the point that he just got his ass kicked. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's not so easy for him to recover from that. And so here comes Wonder Woman to save, you know, to save his bacon. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, then we get to the real controversy of this episode, uh, which is back on the Watchtower. The founding leaguers minus Batman sit in judgment of Doomsday. And it's very much, you know, they're like the tribunal of Krypton. I'm a guilty, guilty. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's very much. Guilty. Yeah, guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. I love that. <laughs> guilty. Yeah. They need to have their floating heads. You know, cause, I love that because Doomsday's you know got used to Superman's floating head, you know, persecuting him. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, he won't reveal whether Cadmus created him or not. They ask him that. Superman does. He's and he's been altered so Jean can't read his mind. So they thought ahead in that department. Uh, but he tells Superman all he needs to know is that he'll kill him. And uh, like right. we said, you know, one track mind with this guy. Mm. You know, I mean, he's articulate. He can talk, but he's still all about. Just killing Superman. Doesn't care which Superman, he's going to kill him. Uh, and then Superman pops up the Phantom Zone projector and sends him to the Phantom Zone. So what did you? What do you think about this, Dan? Well, see that that in again is a it's a it's another indication of of the justice again playing right to the themes of this entire arc. Justice League acting as the supreme power. There is no due process. There is no, it is, they make a unilateral decision that this is the only way to deal with this guy. And, and what they, what it does. And when, when I, you know, you know, it's coming, but when you see the Phantom Zone projector emerge, it's actually a chilling moment Mm -hmm. because think back to when, to when we were kids and even before Superman, the movie, you knew about the Phantom Zone, and it was like, okay, well, it was a great way for Superman to dispose of dangerous people without him killing anybody. But it wasn't really until the modern era that it was, and it went to some degree in Superman the movie, but they never really, or Superman 2 really, but they never really explore that aspect of it. But the Phantom Zone is... I, look, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to get too political here, but I think that the Phantom Zone is inhumane. Yeah. That the fan of that that to to put to put people in this ethereal world where they know that they're there and can do nothing, it's it's beyond 
sol uh, solitary confinement. It's 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 you. It, it may very well be a fate worse than death. And I mean, I don't want to get into a big argument about the, the death penalty, which I am against. But it's it's a it's a whole. I mean, when when you see that you realize how much power they do wield and something that we take for granted as a humane alternative to actual execution, you realize this isn't that humane. And as 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 Doomsday points out, I'm still coming for you. Yeah. I'll find a way. Yeah. And it's it's so, so nothing feels resolved. It doesn't feel like they've in fact, you have a really bad taste after it happens which of course leads directly to the confrontation in, in, you know, in, in the hospital ward where we get to the big scene of, you know, we of, of, in an episode of, of, of huge action moments and, and great uh, 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 character moments, you have what really brings down the house in this next scene. Yeah. So what did you think about the Phantom Zone decision, Cindy? It's one of those cases. Is death more merciful? Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's and and you know and the and I I I don't recall, at least in the Silver Age. And I looked this up in my Michael Fleischer Superman Encyclopedia uh, that Superman ever sentenced non. He didn't sentence other criminals to the Phantom Zone, to my knowledge. It they were Phantom Zone criminals that escaped. He put them back in. Right. You know, uh, right. he put Monel in there to you know because he was dying of. Which I've always thought was right. horrible. I've always thought, even as a kid, right. when yeah, I was, exactly. Let the, yeah, exactly. Just let the yeah. poor kid die. You know, I mean, he left him in there for a thousand yeah. years till Brainiac Five cured him. I yeah. mean, and he, he comes back and he's perfectly fine. He's yeah. not like a raving lunatic or anything right. like that. Oh, they never do that nowadays. He'd be a total raving lunatic nowadays. You're right. Oh you're yeah, right. there'd yeah. be a twelve yeah. issue arc where Monel goes through and kills everyone Superman loves or something. I mean, they really right. would. Yes, exactly. Comes back in time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I never, I, I always thought the Phantom Zone was really creepy between the comics, the few Super Friends episodes, the movie, and then even the Supergirl show and then Smallville actually showed the physical Phantom Zone was this yeah. desolate planet, you know. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. yeah, just awful. And so I, I don't know. I don't know how, I, it just seemed like it, 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 it definitely did seem like it was like, the Justice League taking the easy way out. Okay, we don't we don't want it on our conscience to kill this guy, so let's just put him off somewhere. And you know, like it's we we're saying you're not going to get hurt, but you're not going to hurt anybody. But at the same time, it's like that is just this this. It's the true argument of semantics. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. It's just it's it, it, he's he's gonna he's gonna exist, but in this you know, tortured, non-corporal existence, you know, it's... But it's also that they make the choice. Yes. He's he's not brought to any kind of... There's no there's no legal proceeding. There's yes. no... You know, it's like they made the decision on their own, this is what we're doing, which is very, very close to creeping fascism, which is what the whole point of the Justice Lords was. Yeah. So again, they're telling us these are things... That you know, you don't buy General Island willing to blow up a a, a an island full of civilians, but you're willing to buy Superman and the Justice League, or are you willing to put uh, a sentient being into a a truly horrible existence? 
something that is is not going to it, it's basically we're going to park you here because we got nothing else that we can do mm-hmm. but it's them making the decision to do this without any other kind of authority and this goes to the point of if the justice league feels that it's um that its motivations are pure that if by their own judgment then they will do whatever they consider necessary in the same way that the other superman tried to lobotomize or lobotomize doomsday in the moment all of these all of these decisions are made as necessities and what the what what this whole arc asks is is at what point does your humanity have to say no we have to go about this a different way and the, the you know batman's concern about that uh um about the, the justice league's decisions exceptionally well-founded yeah I, you know it's kind of i don't, don't want to spoil if, if if you haven't been watching star trek picard there was a similar moment a few episodes ago where picard and crusher had to had to ar- basically argued with themselves have we crossed the line now that we're willing to just outright murder someone to basically stop their threat. Right. And that's right. kind of where the justice league is here. And, su- and the other leaguers never say anything. So it's almost kind of like, no. it's kind of interesting that there's no dissension. Like nobody, no. like nobody's arguing. No. I mean, you would almost expect flash to be like, Hey, you can't do that. You know? And because flash but, is, but flash is too, but flash is too callow. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he's, he he follows the others when it comes to big important decision making. Yeah. Here it's notable that they make this decision without Batman in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is it is it's not just that he's wounded, is that you you get the sense that if there had been anybody in the room who would have questioned this, it would have been Batman. And you almost you get the feeling that maybe they didn't include Batman for a reason. And that's also very, very scary. Yeah, and I mean and, and I hate to I hate to even go there because it's a it's a comic series that I think is very well written, but I don't care for it in the continuity. But it kind of brings up the identity crisis. Uh, you know what happened there, where Batman they you know yeah. Batman objects. yeah the parallels yeah this yeah. is a this is a much better version of identity crisis. Yes, is yes. really what this is. I, I I am not a fan of that story. I am not a fan of a lot of what went on in that story. Yeah, I'm glad that for the most part it's been forgotten. Yeah. Um, because I found that it went way too far in, yeah. in, in, you know, but this is basically the same themes mm-hmm. handled with much more grace and much more um, uh, sophistication. You know, it just popped in my head and I didn't have this in my notes, but I, it, it, it's crawled back in my brain that there was a justice league story. I, I think, and, and listeners, if you know, or Dan, you can, you can tell me, I believe it was uh, over the resolution of the Justice League, Justice Society, Secret Society of Villains uh, storyline they did uh, that when George Perez was drawing Justice League, that um, they left the Secret Society in limbo. And I believe there was some kind of like the, the, the courts decided you can't do that or something. And they had to like, like the the villains showed back up and somebody said, well, weren't they, aren't they in limbo? And they're like, yeah, well, the courts decided we couldn't make that decision. And we had to go back and get them, or so. I remember something. There's some kernel in the back. I don't of my remember head. that, but that, yeah. but I like that. Yeah. But I, I remember because it was like, well, isn't that character still in the limbo? That it was like Killer Frost or somebody, and it's like she showed up in Firestorm, right. or it was something. It was something like that. So, it, I, and this is just, guys, no research on my part. It literally just popped into my addled mind 
So if listeners, if you know, let me know. You guys probably know better than I do. Uh, so then, like you said, uh, we get to that that scene um, where Wonder Woman and Superman, you know, walk into the room uh, with Bruce. He's he's in. He's got a neck brace on. He's in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. He's obviously very banged up uh, from from his surviving that explosion. And this is the moment you chose for the the Kevin Conroy tribute dance. So why don't you why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, basically, Superman and, and Wonder Woman are are there ostensibly to commiserate and comfort Bruce, but he's having none of it. He's pissed. He has come to in this episode, although we know it's an undercurrent, he has come full circle in understanding Waller's point of view as to why, and of course there's backstory there about Batman's role in the Justice Lord story and, and what have you, but he he is, you know, he's now openly questioning how much power is too much power. And he, he invokes this, the Phantom Zone. So you, just, you just made a decision. You did that unilaterally. Was that the right thing to do? And, you know, he says, because frankly, you are too dangerous. You know, this, this, this is, this is, this is a problem. And without, you know, certain kind of checks and balances, we are this close to becoming the justice Lords ourselves. And Superman makes light of it, he makes the joke. He makes the gag as well. You know, you've always got that kryptonite ring and yeah. Batman's like, you don't get to joke. This is not funny. This is not, you know, this is not the super friends at the end of an episode going, oh. <laughs> you know, this is the opposite of that. This is like, no, this, there are no jokes to be made here. This is deadly serious. This is about the society in which we live. It's about our culture. It's about our political structure. And it's about the fate of the world. Serious, serious, heady stuff that Batman's bringing up. And in Superman, because he's Superman, and frankly, he's used to, you know, he, he can and does shrug things off in ways that Batman doesn't. Um, and Batman is, is he's just, you know, you don't get to joke. Not today. I just took a bullet for you, which he did. Yes. He took a bullet for Superman. Now, to be fair to Superman, Superman was a little busy getting, yeah. <laughs> getting, getting, getting his head, getting his head handed to him. But it's not like he was having to walk in the park. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, to, to be fair to Superman, he's like, you know, he was kind of putting in his own effort, too. But still, Batman's point is extremely well taken that you don't make you don't get to make light because you're Superman to understand that there are casualties and that there is, um, you know, that, that others will suffer because of what we do. And Batman is, is an example of that. He took a bullet for Superman of all things, managed to survive, but of course he's in a hospital bed and Superman's able to walk around as if nothing had happened. And again, it shows if you live like that, then you may, you may lose your sense of humanity and their decision-making on, on doomsday reflects that and batman is just simply horrified he is you know and even when they when they leave the room you know he's still steaming and then you really start to wonder you know what's batman going to do next you know where <laughs> where where is he you know where, where where is his head at now and it creates this whole new level of tension um that i think that that this is one of those things when you go back and look at the beginning of the batman the animated series and the other series that have popped up this really is a crucial turning point in my mind uh about the maturation of of superheroes in this world 
Yeah, very well said. Very well said. You got anything to add about that, Cindy? I mean, again, it's one of those cases you're like, he's like, no, you don't get to joke. This is the thing. Right. You know, Superman's trying to deflect. Hey, we're all chummy. Let's, you know, let's go get coffee later. And Superman and Batman's (laughs) like, nah, man. Yeah. I and yeah. I and I love this you do, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm 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 good right now. You guys can go now. Yeah. yeah. I, I love his opening, you know, uh, you know, spoken like a true justice lord. I mean just like wow. Right. He's like right. what? You know, and he Superman's like like how dare you kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then he well, like, I also love Oh, go ahead. Putting putting it in different putting it in a, in a different context. I I you know Batman is the Spock in Mirror Mirror here. Yeah, you know he's yeah. he's he's the one. You know it's mm-hmm. it's you know that the the way Kirk is able to resolve that issue is by appealing to that human nature of Spock, and it's that same role. You know he's basically mm-hmm. you know the whole question of you know I I, I put it to you, sir. Yeah, like your entire you know, yeah. illogical, you know, classic shat. You talk about scenery chilling. Yeah, you know, oh, Shatner. What what are those great moments? Love yes. them. Yes. Um, but yeah, Batman is sort of taking that same role here of 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 looking at the bigger picture here and and understanding the ramifications of what's going on versus what they've been doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I like too that it's one of the few times when he says that line, you know, you don't get to joke. That's one of the few times that Conroy's yeah. Batman actually loses his cool. I mean, he's yeah. all, even when he's yeah. angry, he's very reserved. But in this, I mean, he's like he yells at him. You know, it's it's one of the yeah. few times in the the thirty years that Conroy voiced Batman that he like he's yeah. he snaps. He actually snaps. Which is why, yeah, and which is why when you asked me, and and again, I appreciate it to ask me to be a part of the Conroy tribute. And I thought to myself, and immediately I thought, okay, what in Batman the Animated Series was it that, you know, what is this big moment? And I realized, well, no, actually, this is his, this is the moment. This is mm-hmm. to me, it's it's Conroy's way of playing it. It's not only just the writing, it's the performance. And we've come so used to this Batman that when we hear him like this, it, the power of his words really, really land. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of Conroy's, if not his finest moment, it is certainly one of them yep. across the entire time that he played Batman. I agree. Yeah, I, I I think it's interesting though that Superman says, "But you don't have to worry about the Justice League. Trust me, you know me." And and Bruce says, "Yeah, I do." And I yeah. I I've sit there and think what what exactly does that mean? Because you can interpret that different ways. I mean, does it mean he knows he's been turned against humanity before? Is it because he's Batman is so like his counterpart? He, you know, he's afraid that Clark might be, you know, that close to his counterpart. Does Batman think of Superman differently than most of the other leaguers? Does he see the chinks in Superman's perfect armor? You know, I, it, it's that's kind of a loaded statement from him. What do you What do you think it means, Cindy? I, again, I mean, I would agree. I would agree with that because I mean, it is one of those cases that he's like. Hey, if this happened, why not here? And you got to think, Superman is used, like you said, he's the detective. He's used to seeing the nuances in people's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What about you, and, Dan? And he also understands that the, what he and his point being is is that it wasn't that the Justice Lords were inherently evil. Is no, is they were good, and they made bad decisions, and yeah. they made they and which is exactly what he is seeing here. Their unilateral decision to well, two things happen. First, Superman does try to lobotomize 
doomsday again. I don't know if Batman knew that or not, but certainly the, the use of the Phantom Zone and the, the extrajudicial way in, in which they, they made that decision, Batman does, he's like, look, the Justice Lords, the problem wasn't the, 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 the Justice Lords inherently, it was that they had been, and then what makes it different, and I think more nuanced than say the crime syndicate, which is that they're just evil versions of the, of, of, of the Justice League. With the Justice Lords, they are the Justice League corrupted. Yeah. And that's what and that's what Batman is seeing. He's like, no, I you're as corruptible as that one is. You've just proved it to me. And things are not the same. Yeah. I I, it's, I, I agree. Yeah, that's probably where that's probably it's just it's it's interesting because I mean it's like you can interpret it different ways, but ultimately I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, Superman and yeah. Diana leave and and she has this pained worry on her face, which I think is nice because obviously, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman have this relationship that we've talked about a lot yeah. on this show. Uh, Bruce is left alone. He's staring at the TV monitor covering Luthor's presidential run announcement. Lex is standing in front of waving American flag and he almost seems to be walking toward Bruce. Mm. Like as he's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's in it's just ominous music as we fade to black. I mean, it's it's this wonderful like, you know, this this future is coming, you know, that's what Batman's, you know, and I mean, that's what Cadmus is thinking and that's what Batman's thinking. And actually what what we're going to discuss next is going to reveal where the storyline goes. So if listeners, if you haven't watched this ever, because we have some listeners that are watching it with us, if you don't want to hear that, skip ahead about five minutes or so, uh, because this episode could have been even a bigger turning point for this series because Tim and company had actually conceived that Batman was going to side with Cadmus against the Justice League from this point. Uh, There's this great DVD extra uh, that I mentioned before where Mark Hamill is hosting the panel of all people, Mark Hamill, with Bruce Tim, Dwayne McDuffie, and James Tucker. Uh, You can actually find it on YouTube if you don't have the DVD sets. But, you know, they were going to have Batman choose to side with Cadmus and work with them against the Justice League. But then they figured out there was no way to do it and not make either Batman or the Justice League, in Bruce with Tim's terms, look like jerks. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it would have essentially ruined either one or the other. Uh, so Batman, despite his misgivings here, does not betray the League and side with them. So, Dan, do you think they were right to abandon this storyline? What do you think? I think it makes more sense for them and makes it more compelling that he is struggling, that it, that it's a moral struggle. Yeah. And that, and, and, and I don't think that Batman, I think it would be out of character for him to join up with Waller, even if he sympathizes with their, with their, um, you know, you know, with uh, Cadmus's way of thinking, I think Batman's rationale would be first off, keep your friends close and your enemies closer and I guess your frenemy is the closest of all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is actually better for him to remain in the Justice League than to separate himself from them. Um, and I and I think that that inherent tension of having someone within their ranks who is openly contemptuous of the decision making and openly uh, concerned about the direction that the team is heading in makes for better drama by having him within. Otherwise, it's just it turns into you know, a lot of yelling and screaming, a lot of fisticuffs by having Batman remaining with the Justice League, you're, you're getting much more nuanced storytelling. So I think that 
whether it was the intention or not, the the ultimate payoff was better this way than I think the other way would have been. I think the other way would have been just more, you know, superheroes fighting superheroes. This is this this is a lot more delicate than that, and I think that it was the better approach. What do you think, Cindy? I mean, being able to see, you know, you can see the temptation to side with Cadmus versus he doesn't actually do it. You right. know, yeah. I, I think I think we kind of brought up identity crisis earlier, and you know that storyline when all that what that what that was done came out. I mean, it, it pretty much ruined the Justice League. You know, it, it it retroactively ruined some classic comic book stories, and in, in, for some people, you know, because they can't look at those issues without going, oh yeah, that's around the time that they mind white Batman, you know. Uh, right. So I mean. It, and, and you know, it, and, it, and they and it effectively took Doctor Light off the table too. Yeah, right. I mean, he was he was always a goofy villain anyway, but he was a fun Silver Age kind of villain. Yeah, and you you just can't use that character again. Yeah, you know, it's just it's not you know, and 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 what it did to I mean again I don't want to get off point here, but what it did to Sue Didney. Oh yeah, and the elongated and all that all that really fun. I mean, it doesn't ruin the stuff in the '60s when you read it. It's wonderful, you know, storytelling, mm-hmm. and I still think that there there could be a great elongated man um, uh, TV show about this, you know, well-to-do couple basically heart to heart. Only he can stretch. Yeah, you know, going yeah. all around and just getting into <laughs> getting into trouble and stuff like that, which would be fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, I to me is, is is this is that concept done right and identity crisis is the same concept done wrong right and and it's kind of similar if they'd done that you know not to i i know i'm asking for trouble but like you know with with batman v superman to have batman start out with this mad on against superman and i mean it, you know, the destruction from man of steel you know was awful and i but it but it but to have batman flip the script so quickly to where he yeah. becomes Superman's biggest fan through the rest of the films is uh, is just is all I've always had such a Trump problem with it, uh, and uh, yeah. it's it's kind of it would be the same thing here. It would hard to, it would be hard to ever come back from it if they had went in this direction. They were right to know. Okay, we're either going to have yeah. Batman look awful or or Superman look awful or the Justice League look awful. And, and in some ways, as much as I love him, you know, love almost everything he did when Mark Wade did the the Tower of Babel. Uh, storyline where Batman, you know, it's revealed that Batman has all the the, the, the contingencies plans. against the Justice League. In some ways, it's been hard to come back from that. I mean, everybody always brings we we brought it up in this episode. Batman's always prepared to take yeah. down the Justice League, and in some ways, it's it's kind of hard to 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 go back from when you go in that direction. There's this modern comic book writers really don't have any <laughs> any any problem, you know, things like Heroes in Crisis and books like that about just throwing a hand grenade into a character and, 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 and editor editors nowadays, I mean, I'm, I'm soapboxing, but editors nowadays aren't the shepherds of the characters that they used to be and won't reject right. storylines because of the damage it might do. But here, Tim and company self-edited, they, they, they looked at the bigger picture and said, okay, if we do this, there's no coming back. And so they decided, you know, and like you said, it's actually more compelling to have a dissenting voice in the justice league than it is to have Batman yeah. form, you know, the outsiders more or less, <laughs> or like right. in in Kingdom Come, which Kingdom Come was kind of a whole different thing, but his own team or something. So I will point out something just goofy that I noticed: Bruce Wayne's eyes are black again. Mm. 
because <laughs> they were ice they were ice blue in the new Batman Adventures when they went to this design. Of course they were just black dots in the animated series. Then they were this ice blue and then in the once when we saw him in Justice League previously, they were black. But in the Once and Future Thing Part One, when he's in the old West, they're ice blue again. Even though when they go to the future in the next episode, old Bruce Wayne has black eyes, which he didn't have on Batman Beyond. So somebody can't decide what color Bruce Wayne's eyes are supposed to be. <laughs> I still can't. I can't. I, I, I got to tell you, for reading Batman comics for uh, more than 50 years, I still couldn't tell you what Bruce Wayne's eye color is. Should it be brown or should it be blue eyed? I, I still don't. According to Who's Who, it's blue, but Alex Ross always, yeah. he disagrees with that and paints them brown. So, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, you guys ready to jump into our superlatives for the episode? Power action feature. Uh, so for power action feature, the coolest move, most impressive move, whatever. What did you have for that, Dan? Oh, I just thought the. I mean, I'm not sure if this qualifies, but just the entire fight in the volcano. Okay. Um, between Superman and I mean, it would be hard to like pick a certain point, but just that entire. I mean, really, if you're talking about a, a move, it's you know Batman saving you know the, the the island by magnetizing the javelin and all of that. But just from from sheer uh, uh, visual standpoint, the the fight inside the volcano is is tremendous. Yeah, that's impressive. What about you, Cindy? I would say when John gives Batman the idea of magnetizing the javelin. Oh, okay. That's the power move yeah. to me because yeah. he knows that that's probably going to kill him. And, but right. he's like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to lose my friend, but I'm saving all of these people." To me, that's right. You know, yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I had I had the moment. Yeah, I had the the missile moment too. But yeah, the the fight with Doomsday is hard to beat. I mean, it's really it's really well done. And like we said, the setting yeah. in that volcano is just just fantastic. Rotating chairperson. Uh, so for rotating chairperson. Uh, who who would you pick as a standout leaguer this time, Dan? Well, I, I I go with Batman because Batman is the one who you know who's who's got the high moral ground here. Um, Superman nominally is because he's the one who leads the others into doing what they do, and he's central to that whole part of it. But I, but to me, the 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 episode revolves around Batman and his and his evolving thoughts about the Justice League and what it means for humanity. So I, I, I can't separate that part of it. To me, it's got to be Batman. What about you, Cindy? Amanda Waller. <laughs> no, there you go. I'm serious, but think about yeah. it. She went, she made this team, she got them together, she saw the threat, she's like, hey, we don't want this happening in our, our world. They scare the living S-H-I-T out of me, but I'm still going to go against them. Tell me that's not yeah. right up there. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I picked Batman too, but I can see your point. <laughs> and I picked Batman for the reasons that, that Dan picked Batman. So Justice League Communicator. Uh Justice League Communicator. I, I think I know what you're gonna pick for this, Dan, right? The the, the hospital scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't get to judge. That right. yeah. Right, right. What about you? I, again, when Waller stands up, I mean, Waller comes at Batman and I mean she doesn't let him see her shaked, you know. Amanda Waller. Born in East St. Louis, Rhodes Scholar, Ph.D. in political science, served in intelligence under three administrations, disappeared from public life four years ago. Am I supposed to be impressed? Maybe I should rattle off your resume now. You know, I could blow the whistle on you any time I want. Fine. Why don't we step into the light together? I'm sure the American people will be just as interested in your activities as mine. Secret weapons. 
illegal cloning experiments, bypassing Congress. What do you want? I want to know what you think you're doing. Did Superman ever mention that to get Luthor's pardon, he had to tell us about your parallel universe adventure? All about it? We started to wonder what would happen if you took the same action that the Justice Lords did, so I had my people run some computer simulations. If the Justice League ever went rogue, what do you think would be the result? That's moot. Humor me. In every single scenario, you beat us. Badly. But that was before Cadmus. Now we have the technology to defend ourselves. Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world, the Justice League will take you down. If we present a threat, you've got a spaceship floating over our heads with a laser weapon pointing down. In another dimension, seven of you overthrew the government and assassinated the president. We're the good guys, protecting our country from a very real threat. You. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard. Yeah. Both of those scenes are so great, and they book in this episode. Yeah. But it's I, I did yeah. go with the with the closing one, but it's it in any other episode I would have picked the Batman Waller confrontation. Yeah. So yeah, it's I you know, when until I watched it again, I totally forgotten that, that both of those happened in the same episode. Me too. And it and it and it really and wait, like you said, it does book in. You have, you know, Batman taking one perspective in the beginning and at the end, he's basically the Waller character. Yes. And this all happens in 20 minutes. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. 20, 22 minutes. This there's so much packed into it. But you talk about what great storytelling is that they could actually in a way that does not feel forced or or uh, or, or, you know, or or uh, sped up. It feels it feels completely organic that opening scene and then how it's capped off with the closing scene. So I, I you know, Cindy. My, uh, my, I tip my hat, I tip my cowl to you because that is a really, really good point. <laughs> yeah. Comic connections. Uh, for comic connections, what, what was there anything that, well, obviously we've brought up quite a few, but is there anything else that, that popped up that, that made you think of other comics or anything like that? We really have gone over all of that. I, I think, um, no, other than the, what what we've mentioned, of course, you think of the death of Superman and and yeah. and everything there. But it's it's uh, there. There's so much, um, and that's also what makes this show work. And what makes it work is that the the characters don't have, only have a history on screen; they also have a history in your mind, right? You know, so they're the the way they behave. You know, there's already a ton of backstory floating around your you know the back of your head. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's, you know, it's also kind of interesting too, that it's, it's almost uh, animated connections because it's, it's going back to threads that have right. been left from like every series prior in certain right. ways, Batman, the animated series, Superman, Justice League. Yeah. Before super Unlimited. friends with the volcano. Yeah. Super friends with the volcano. <laughs> Fleischer with the volcano. Fleischer with the volcano. That's all the way back. You don't get any yep. earlier than than Fleischer no. as far as adaptations go. Another radio show, yeah. So yeah, that's a <laughs> good point. Electricity is evil. I don't think we had anything for electricity is evil. Nobody was really shocked. I think um, uh, the, he magnetized the the missile, so it's kind of 
Well, they is, had the avoidance issue, which is, you know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but nobody nobody got zapped in this one. So other than no. Doomsday got blasted with heat vision. So so I think that'll wrap it up, guys. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great discussion. It was It was great to have you on and talk about this one. This is a very pivotal episode in this series, in all the animated universe, really. Uh, and it's I think it's one of the best. Uh, so it, it was great to have you on. We'd love to have you back sometime. If there's an episode in season three that you're just dying to talk about, let us know because we'd love to have you back. Uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, guys. I really, I had a wonderful time. You know, you, you, you get me, you know, say, hey, Dan, you want to talk about something about Batman? Yeah, the answer is <laughs> always going to be yes. You know, that, 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 it, you know it's, it's a great way to wake up on a Sunday morning. Hey, get out of bed and talk about Batman. It's It's wonderful. Um, so I appreciate you having me and I, and I'm really flattered that uh, it was for this particular episode, which as you say, is a, you know, a, a pivotal episode in the series. So thank you very much for having me. Well, thanks for coming by. Tell folks where they can find you. Oh, 13th dimension.com one, three th dimension.com. Uh, we're also we're very active on uh, Facebook specifically. Um, but, uh, so you can follow us over there or just come directly to the site. Uh, but that's where you find us every day. And and where can folks find the world's uh, greatest super friends podcast? Oh yeah, uh, just Google world's greatest super friends podcast, and you'll find all the places that you can that you can find it because it's on various uh, platforms. Um, it has its own. Uh, it's the, the the URL is a little convoluted, so the best thing I would say is just simply. Google world's greatest super friends podcast and you'll find us. Yeah. That's worth a Google. Yeah. That's worth a Google. That's right. (laughs) It is. It's, it's, I, you know, we, we have, we, we have a lot of fun on that podcast too. And we've, uh, we've had uh, uh, guests on as well. So uh, we certainly uh, would like to uh, expand that. So we'd love to have, uh, have you guys there as well. All right. Yeah. I I made it onto the, uh, I was actually on the last episode of the first season. So I got to, you were, I got, I got to, I got to say goodbye to Marvin, uh, which I loved. Yes. You got to say goodbye to Marvin. (laughs) Yeah. Love to have you back. And Cindy, same to you. I'd love to have you on the show as well. Oh, cool. There you go. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I love that show. I just, uh, you guys have a great, obviously having a great time talking about the, the different segments in each episode and, and, uh, you bring up some really great points and I love the clips that John, Puts it. I never get tired of hearing uh, Michael Rise Green Lantern. You know, my power ring yeah. will take care of this. You know, I just love that guy. It's your red voice. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> come with me. Come with me, Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make the bad Dudley Dudley do right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, yeah, uh, yes, coming now. <laughs> yeah. uh, with that, we probably better close out this episode. All right. So, extra special thanks to. Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horrors Club podcast, David Capone, and Rocket Dan Johnson, who specifically support JLU Cast, and we're always looking for new members who want to support us. Hint, hint, subtle, subtle. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get to look after the recovering Batman. Beware, he's extra grumpy with a lot to think about. So basically like living with you. <laughs> Thanks. That's nice. Uh, yeah, we want to say thanks to our Patreon supporters for information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. And you too can take care of a grumpy Batman. So uh, <laughs> next time the Cadmus art continues to heat up with the appearance of Task Force X, not the Suicide Squad, because they couldn't call it that. But we'll <laughs> so we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at firewaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FWPodcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast. do anything to avoid monitor duty sent him off to the phantom zone didn't you he left us no choice spoken like a true justice lord what come on passing judgment like gods with our superpowered army and our orbiting death ray cadmus is right to be scared the human race wouldn't stand a chance we'd never go there it isn't in our nature and nothing can change that nothing what if luthor does become president like he did in their world what would stop you from doing what that Superman did? There's always that kryptonite you carry around. You don't get to joke. Not today. I just took a bullet for you. I'm sorry, Bruce. You're right. But you don't have to worry about the Justice League. Trust me. You know me. Yeah. I do. Get some rest.